does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Eight o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it is the eight o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton flying the Millennium Falcon for us. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And by the way, this is Kevin and Query on 93.5-1075 The Fan. He is a regular guest of this program on Wednesdays. You read his work, of course, with ESPN. Stephen Holder joins us to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and Steven, I'll begin with this. I was asking Kevin this kind of rhetorically, but I want you to weigh in. I realize that the Colts can say, you know, they're still trying to win games or Jeff Saturday's doing what he can to put them in the best position, et cetera. But uh, their moves over the last week to me appear to be a franchise that know it's over. You agree or disagree? Uh, I I will say this. I, I don't hear a whole lot of – you know, the, the, the usual, uh, you know, sayings that you hear when a team is trying to convince itself that these games matter. <laughs> like, you know, well, we're not eliminated just yet. And they're not, right? They're not eliminated from the playoffs, which is which says more about the AFC South than them, but whatever. Uh, no one, okay, no one has said anything to me about the playoffs in a very long time. Not that I want to hear it, okay, granted. But I haven't heard that. Normally, until the day you're mathematically eliminated, you still hear that, you know, that that conversation. Uh, I, I would also say, you know, just in terms of them talking about, you know, having a lot to play for. And I've, I've heard things like, you know, you've, you've got personal pride. I think it was Matt Ryan who even said that last week. You know, he says, you know, you, you've got a lot of personal pride to play for. Oh, well, that's a team that is telling you this is not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even though they're not eliminated, I think the the way things have felt the last two games in particular, um, to me, I think it, it just kind of leaves you with a taste in your mouth that, like, you're just waiting for this thing to be over. Again, Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com. Stephen, I want to go to a tweet you had yesterday in referencing some Jim Mercer comments over the past few weeks about um, a willingness, I guess, to – Look at some less obvious coaching candidates. I believe he particularly mentioned college candidates. You know, honestly, before Luke Fickle went to Wisconsin, that was maybe the name that I would have had mm. very high on a list. You know, I, I think you know this pretty well. I mean, Chris Ballard, extremely fond of what Fickle did at Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> for what it's worth, I know it was probably 20-some years ago, but – uh, the college roommate of Luke Fickle was Mike Vrabel. So if you're looking for a connection there, you got a little bit of it. I believe they did coach together at at, at one point. Um, but I guess what what did you make of those Ursay comments? And did any names pop into your head when you saw that? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it because you know, it was something that he said to me uh, several, quite a few weeks ago um, in a conversation about something else and it kind of veered as conversations tend to do with Jim Rose. They veered into other topics. And, and I think, you know, he was kind of, I think, making the point, I don't know if he was trying to solidify or, or reinforce his choice of Jeff Saturday or not, but, 
you know, that was certainly a very unconventional choice. And I think it was almost kind of doubling down on the idea that, you know, we should we should think outside the box a little more. Um, not necessarily in terms of experience, like hiring someone who's never done the job, maybe. You know, I, I don't think that's the argument he was making, thank God. <laughs> but he was certainly saying we kind of, or the NFL, not we, but the NFL kind of, interviews the same profile of coach, right? You know, who's the up-and-coming coordinator or who's the the retread head coach, right? I mean, that's basically the profile that gets hired or gets interviewed in these hiring cycles. That's true. And so, for better or worse, his argument was, hey, you know, let's – we should think a little bit outside the box. And I I do think that that Chris Ballard has some – uh, some history of doing that. I mean, I didn't – obviously Matt Rule didn't work out, but Matt Rule was someone that he had an eye on, you know, when he was at Baylor. Yeah, early uh, in his Baylor days. Yeah, exactly. It, and this was probably a couple years before the uh, before he got the NFL job in Carolina. So, I mean, he was kind of an early uh, – early to that party, you know, if you will. Again, didn't work out, but I think the, the idea – that, that Jim Mercer is talking about, I think Chris Ballard may already be there on some level, you know, because I think he has some history of doing that. So anyway, uh, I don't, he didn't name names and that's, that's the hard part here. Um, so I don't know who he's talking about. And I, I know, but certainly when he, the way he describes that profile of candidate, we're not talking about Jim Harbaugh here, right? You know, we're talking about, you know, I think the Luke Fickle example is a great one. Someone in that, in, in that, um, at that level. Um, so Albert Brayer of Sports Illustrated re- replied to my tweet and threw out Matt Campbell, who is someone I hadn't thought about. But I, I think I, I like a guy like Luke Fickle a little better. But I think that's maybe the profile of person we're talking about, the Iowa State head coach, who's who's built a, you know, a pretty competitive program. NFL teams have had interest in him. Yeah, a, a place where they just, you know, it's really hard to sustain success, right? A, a program that's hard to sustain success. So anyway, um, it's interesting. And I think it's something to just file away in our memory banks as we move forward in this coaching search. Steven, do you believe that Jeff Saturday has any regret about giving this tenure a try as the head coach? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I, I take him at his word when he says that he has had a good time and that he has enjoyed this. Um, I, I mean, it's it's put him in position to be in a conversation about being the next coach just because he is currently the coach. And that certainly wasn't going to happen sitting on, on the set uh, on ESPN. So, and, and the other thing for, for Jeff is, I mean, look <laughs> – if you're his agent, I mean, you now have you you have options. I mean, I think you know in terms of television, you know. So this hasn't been a setback for him. If anything, it's probably enhanced his career moving forward. If he decides to stay in television, if this doesn't ultimately work out for him, so I don't think Jeff Saturday has lost anything here. If anything, he's gained from this. So I really don't see any reason for him to have regret. I, I think this is, even though it hasn't. You know, losing is not fun, clearly, but in the grand scheme, I don't think Jeff Saturday is losing anything here. I, I think he has gained from this, and uh, he'll personally, um, I don't say profit, but, you know, it's not about money per se, but I think, you know, personally he will 
he will gain from this, I think. And he probably did make some pretty good money here for this two-month yeah, stint as well. Um, <laughs> Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com. Stephen, I want to go back to, um, I believe you guys had it first on ESPN.com over the weekend. Um, basically, the NFL sending a memo out to owners reminding them of how much money they have spent on firing head coaches and GMs. Part of me read it and was like, well, it's kind of their money. They can do with it whatever they want. Having said that, Frank Reich was mentioned in the story. Uh, four years left on his contract, $9 million annually. Um, do you think – I guess I don't think Jim Irsay loses sleep over the finances of that and would lose the sleep over the finances of firing Chris Ballard on top of that if he were to do it with Ballard under contract for the same length of time as Reich was. But I do think he could lose sleep over the ego of having to fire or deciding to fire both, you know, 16 months after giving them both an extension. Do you think that would be at play at all with Ursay? A little bit more, am I willing to do this, admit that I was wrong versus the actual finances of, you know, paying two guys? A large sum of money, granted, a sum of money that he has. Right. Uh, so I'll start by saying I actually think the the money, I'm not saying it's hurting him necessarily, but let me just say he is very, very, very aware of the amount of money. Okay, and I know that from personal conversations. And, like, how it looks or? No, 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 just, like, just the dollar amount. Cut. Like, he, he – I will tell you, we had a conversation uh, about this, uh, about Frank Reich. And, and one of the things that he said is that, look, you know, I, I, I think he said something like, you know, when this is over, I'll have committed north of $50 million to Frank Reich. He's like, that is a significant commitment. And I thought at first I was like, all right, he's just talking out of his rear end here. You know, I was, I literally didn't use the number because I didn't believe it. I, I wasn't sure he was accurate because he does do that sometimes. Right. he kind of throw things out and you're like, oh, there's no way that's true. <laughs> and maybe it is true now in retrospect, looking back at it, I was like, I didn't think Frank was making that much. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Um, so anyway, my point is he was very, very aware and emphasized uh, that dollar amount um multiple times. So I think it matters to him in terms of just the money. Uh, then to your point about, you know, the, the optics of it, I think that, I think that matters too. I mean, you know, with, especially with, with, with Chris Ballard, where you have, you have said, he has said some things about Chris Ballard, you know, that are hard to just, you know, take back. I mean, yeah. he called him basically the, the greatest talent evaluator in NFL history. I My, mean, Michael I mean, Jordan exactly. missed shots. Michael Jordan lost games. Exactly. You've called him the GOAT, you know, just recently. So, and has since doubled down on, on his um, intention to keep him. Uh, I think he told that to Zach Kiefer recently. So, I, I mean, I actually buy that Chris Ballard is going to be back. I think the question is going to be, you know, how much of the, the critical decision-making is going to fall to Chris Ballard? That is the question, because every critical decision since the end of the 2021 season has basically been made by Jim Mercer. The Carson Wentz decision, the uh, certainly the, the Matt Ryan benching, uh, Chris, uh, excuse me, Frank Reich being fired, and the, the Jeff Saturday hire, those were all 
decisions that were driven by Jim Irsay and Jim Irsay alone. So, or primarily, put it that way. So uh, that's the question for me. And and how does that play uh, with Chris Ballard and, and moving forward? And then the other question related to this is whoever they hire, all right, if that's, you know, is that going to be a quote-unquote strong head coach, someone who, who wants, um, you know, authority over – over the roster and things like that. So there's a lot still to be determined that I think impacts how Chris Ballard operates moving forward and, and whether this is somewhere he wants to be. Stephen, do you believe – Stephen Holder is our guest. Do you believe that the value that is perceived that Chris Ballard has – I'm not saying he doesn't, but his his perceived value, is it higher within the Colts organization than it is league-wide? Or do you believe that he still has – perceived value among other franchises and i've got a follow-up which is why i'm asking it um that's a that's a good question i actually think he still has a lot of value um league-wide a lot of credibility and the reason why and, and i know i cut you off there but the reason why i ask that because that answers the first part of it so the second part is this if there is value of chris ballard outside of indianapolis do we know for certain if he has options that this is where he wants to be because the last times that I have seen him publicly around other members of the organization with which he works, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. So we're making so much of, do the Colts want Chris Ballard back? Is it also time for us to ask, does Chris Ballard want to be back? I mean, look, I have, I have actually wondered this as well. Um, I, I think it's, it's a little more tricky than I think – just saying, hey, does he want to be here or not, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, if, if someone, if the average person wants to wants to move on from where they work, they find another job, they move on, right? Obviously, the NFL, it's a little more difficult if you're if you're in one of those jobs that is basically one of 32, right? So he, Chris Bauer is one of 32. Is there another job open uh, for a team that wants him? And is that a job that he wants? Is that, you know... Uh, what are the financials financials of that? You know, does he take a pay cut? All these things, right? So, I mean, it's not quite that simple, but I think the overarching question is fair. And I, it is something I have wondered. Um, and the, the reason I say he still has value outside, and, and it certainly has been knocked down a notch, right? I mean, the, the team is in shambles. So that's certainly been knocked down a notch. Um, but I think his draft results, even though there have been some some – certainly some, some big questions uh, that fans locally would, would ask, right? But the draft results, I mean, Chris Ballard has a, a fantastic eye for talent. That is still true. But I think what's gotten him in trouble is the quarterback situation and, and certainly uh, the, the Josh McDaniels thing is always going to be so, sort of a stain on his record as well. But, but overall, the draft results, which are you know, probably like 50% of the job, right, acquiring talent, he's done a really good job at that. But there are some really big issues that I think he'd have to explain. Again, Stephen Holder's with us from ESPN.com. Colts get back to practice today. They're going to have a normal practice schedule this week, uh, take the weekend off for Christmas, and then play Monday Night Football against the Chargers. Stephen, I know it's not, at least when you know I'm a radio guest, it's not the question that I love the most, but uh, I'm going to throw it at you anyways because I think you can handle it. Um, if you're going to look at the big three in the organization right now, and that would be the general manager, Ballard, the head coach, Jeff Saturday, and the quarterback, Matt Ryan, 
Um, if you don't mind, you throw percentages on each of those three having the same roles they have right now in 2023. Start with Ballard, go to Saturday, and then Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so Chris Ballard, GM, I, I really I think about oh, 70%, I'd, I'd say, right now. Uh, the only reason it's not higher is because you know, Jim Mersey is, you know, <laughs> Jim right now he's a little unpredictable, right? So, so that's, that's one. Uh, Jeff Saturday, I think it's low. I think we're talking like 20%. And, and I would go lower if it wasn't just for just the, the, the love that Jeff, that Jim Mersey has for him at, that may cloud, you know, his decision making there. But uh, I don't think it's very high. And then Matt Ryan, I I just I think you want to say there's no chance, right? But but the, the financials do come into play. Uh, if he if he's back at all, it's because they have a a young quarterback and he's grooming him and and what have you. Um, in the same role, meaning like the guy uh, throughout the season, I I just don't think that's likely at all. There's like a five percent chance of that. Steven, they, they need him to retire. I mean, I know there's plenty of here's the thing. Plenty of financial reasons reasons for him not to retire, but right. If you're him, you just you're going to sit and wait and let them make the move. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if I'm him, I want my money. <laughs> okay, that's the bottom line. I want my twelve million dollars. Sure. I think at minimum it'd be twelve million dollars. But I think in the grand scheme, yes, I think you're right. I think I think Matt Ryan. I think it's in everybody's best interest if they give him his twelve million dollars and he goes home and he says, "Thanks for the memories, guys. Uh, I'm out." Stephen Holder is our guest, ESPN.com, where you can read his work covering the Colts. Uh, Stephen, it's it's Christmas time, right? And we've been sitting here going over the naughty list for the last 15 minutes. So let's go to the nice list real quick. And by that, I want you to give me two names. One being a player that has really done a nice job in taking advantage of a season of suck by saying, you know what, here's what I can do, and opening eyes to the Colts organization of, hey, you know what, we have somebody here and we didn't think we did. And then secondly, the guy right now that headed down the home stretch has a really golden opportunity to show that he belongs on this franchise and to cement himself as an NFL player. Okay, so great question. The first one I think is Zaire Franklin. This guy, let me tell you, I think he's, what, fifth in the NFL in tackles or something like that right now. Uh, Zaire Franklin has, has always been – uh, established on special teams, uh, we we know he's very good there. Uh, but to take advantage of the opportunity he had this year, I, I, I looked this up. I don't think he's ever played more than something like fifteen percent of of the defensive snaps uh, in a given season. He has played one hundred percent of the snaps this year. You know, just about one hundred percent of the defensive snaps, and he has taken great advantage of it. And I think in, in the last few games, you're starting to see him try to. Uh, create turnovers as well. You know, I think he's taken some lessons from Shaquille Leonard. You know, we saw him punch a ball out the other day. And from a leadership standpoint, I mean, that was never going to be a question, right? He's a phenomenal leader. Uh, a lot of credit to him, you know, for just making the best of it and, and always having perspective too, uh, win or loss, win or lose, I should say. And then I'm remind me again, the second category, what were we talking about? A guy that, is on his way to the complex right now and is saying to himself, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm enjoying the fact that we're not very good, but I got a real opportunity here. And I'm really optimistic heading down the home stretch because 
this is my chance. This is my shot, and I'm excited about it. So there's a guy that someone was talking to me about this week, someone in the organization, who, and then uh, he was mentioned again yesterday by defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. It's Dallas Flowers, their young corner. You know, we saw him get involved in special teams a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of like, well, who the hell is number 33? Um, I had to look him up. <laughs> and, and as it turns out, I mean, he had to play on defense the other day, and they're suddenly very excited about his potential. And I think as they get further and further away from playing for anything here, you know, maybe that's that's a, a guy or maybe one of um, other guys as well who, who get some playing time so they can look at them and evaluate them you know, for next year and beyond. I mean, that's where they're at at this point, right? I mean, you're, you're yeah. at this point trying to figure out what you have and, and what you can do. Uh, moving forward with your roster. So that makes sense to me. So he's a guy to watch, apparently. Yeah, no need to play Brandon Face on anymore. Play Dallas Flowers, play Isaiah Rogers down who, the stretch. Who was on Dallas Flowers? Hey, Pittsburgh State Gorilla, Jake Query over there. Okay. Steven, we'll end there with we this. Uh, Pro Bowl teams announced tonight. Oh, yeah. Do the Colts get one? Hmm. I mean, I think they have some Pro Bowl-level players, whether they make it and whether the whether the stain of playing for the Colts <laughs> overrides that, I don't know. Um, I'll be curious to see whether the Forrest Buckner makes it. Um, I think he... A lot of good D tackles in the AFC. That's the problem, right? It's, it becomes a numbers game at that position. Um same with, with Stephon Gilmore. Do I think he's played at a Pro Bowl level? I do. Uh, but, you know, that it, it becomes a little bit of a popularity contest, and I don't know. I think those are the two candidates, the two strongest candidates, I think. I mean, I, Zaire Franklin is a candidate, frankly, but I – He just doesn't often, have the name. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oftentimes with the Pro Bowl, it takes you a couple of years of having an established name. Unless you're just a fantasy football darling and everybody knows you, you know. See, that's why I, I think Nelson. Good. I think Nelson's still in the mix, just because players and coaches are just or fans certainly are just going to sure. write his name down. That's fair. That's fair, and and he still is. Look, he's still a tough assignment for people, even though he's not playing at the level we are accustomed to. So, yeah, I think those are probably the three strongest candidates, unless I'm forgetting someone. Um, but yeah, it will not be like last year when I think, what do they have? Seven, I believe. Yep. Um, it won't be seven. I can tell you that. Well, Stephen Holder has already done his penance for this holiday season and going to multiple Pacer games with Jake Query. So hope that <laughs> the holiday season treats you well. Steven. Steven, have you ever, have you ever enjoyed an NBA game with, with a greater amount of conspiracy theory out of left field and seventies rock music references than you have with the doors that I've introduced for you in that? No, I, I will tell you, it's it's basically like a, a three-hour version of this this five, you know fifteen-minute appearance. I, 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 I'm just picturing him. Bad, I don't know. I'm picturing him leaning over to you for the umpteenth time and saying, "All right, you might think I'm really crazy, <laughs> but this is true." Why would you think that? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, here come the power pack. You might think this is really crazy, but I've heard this about the power pack. So, yeah. Uh, Stephen, happy holidays, man. Um, I, you'll probably just be here but safe travels to new york coming up around the new year and i always appreciate the time all right guys hey thankfully they're good seats uh for, with jake so that mm -hmm. makes up for it <laughs> yeah he, he can thank the significant other for that one <laughs>